God bless you all. And we thank the Lord today once again because we are again before the Lord's presence. Once again, we are reminding, remembering, valuing, respecting the name of the Lord, valuing his blessings, his, his presence with us, and also thanking God for all of the benefits that he has done for so many. And well, there's still many more that are waiting for the Lord's blessing, but God in his mercy will be working little by little in each person. And I once again repeat and remind you what the brother said to you concerning the schedule. Now in Colombia, Brother Carlos Alberto was giving his teaching on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Colombia time, but from here on out, it will now start at 7 p.m. Because here in the United States, we have gone back one hour. And so we are now at the same time as Colombia, and I don't know with how many other countries. And so for all of the brothers, and sisters in Colombia are not mistaken, waiting for the sermon to begin at 6, but it's now starting at 7. So in Colombia, 7 p.m. here in the United States, it's 7 p.m. as well. Colombia, 11 a.m. on Sundays. And here in the United States, 11 a.m. just as we have been doing so until the moment. Now, for the rest of the countries, well, you already know. You can try and figure out which time it is so that you know the time of the sermon and we thank the Lord because praying to God and asking him always to have mercy and for the Lord to remove take away this pandemic and that God allow us to congregate again in the church because well we really are in need of the congregation and truly now we feel this need that living without God well that's very sad in the life of human beings and the congregation is very much needed. The warmth of the brothers and sisters, the affection of the brothers and sisters with one another, praying for one another. This is very needed. The manifestation of God, because God manifests in the congregation and people alone praying at home. You do pray to God, you ask him, you plea, to the Lord, but it's not the same when we are all gathered together in the congregation. Now, with good reason, in Psalms, it always emphasizes and highlights that, that in the assembly of the saints, in the congregation, there is where we praise God. The Lord Jesus Christ, he said that I will praise you in the assembly of the saints. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ, he said that in the congregation is where the Lord needed to be praised and it felt better. And so as we are in great need of needing to congregate and laying on of hands, we are in need of prophecy and the other spiritual gifts as well. The gift of healings, of casting out demons, casting out witchcraft, sorcery. We need all of these spiritual gifts. And so always in our prayers, we will ask the Lord to take away this pandemic soon, all of this current situation that is being lived worldwide and asking the Lord to help us, to reveal, to show us what we need to do that the Lord may have mercy of us all. Very well. Now, we today are happy. I think, I think you're joyful. Either way, those who are faithful, 
the faithful, those who persevere, those that are courageous, I think that you are there in the front. Those who are strong and courageous and persevere, those that are faithful, those who follow the Lord, those who are following the way of perfection. And so you are there, connected with us and joyful in your heart to sing to God. So we're going to sing to the Lord. We'll sing to the Lord with our natural instrument, hymn 146, hymn 146 titled, The Kingdom is Coming. Now that hymn, it speaks of people living in dark places and well, there's millions of people living in dark places. Well, darkness, because they don't have God, they have not had the experience of the Lord in their lives. And today, we will sing to these people, inviting them in this hymn, so that they too may accompany us in praising our God that they may accompany us and following us down this path that God has set. Hymn 146. Hay muchos que viven en densas tinieblas por falta del buen Salvador. Mas hoy mensajeros proclaman sus glorias y brillado su fulgor el reino ya viene decir la historia el reino del buen redentor y todo el globo cubierto de gloria la paz gozará del señor Avanzan veloces las huestes celestes, avanzan con fe y valor, conquistando quiera en nombre de Cristo, pro Cristo es su gran clamor. El reino ya viene de sí. Historia, el reino del buen redentor y todo el globo cubierto de gloria la paz gozará del Señor con cantos y gritos y júbilo santo a Cristo veremos allá. Le coronaremos cual rey soberano, él siempre nos gobernará. El reino ya viene decir la historia, el reino del buen rey. Señor, 
glory to our God. How great is the Lord, worthy of all praise, worthy of honor and glory. Blessed is the name of the Lord. May our God, may He also be with us today, as He always does in every teaching, in every reflection that we make, because we do it with our heart. We do it with all enthusiasm, and we're moved, perhaps, moved when we read the Word of God. And also moved because the Lord brings to life His written Word. He brings it to life after thousands and thousands of years of having, having been written or these scriptures existing. God always made sure to take care and ensure that His servants wrote all of the commandments and laws. All of the orders God gave to Moses, to those people, he would tell them right in a book. And today, well, we as well, we need to write in a book what the Lord speaks and promises to us, what he tells us through dreams and visions. Write them down so that we don't forget it. And today, we are going to Maybe it's a wake-up call or a, or a reminding everybody, those who are in church and even people who want to join the church and have been listening to the sermons for a while now. And it's concerning being perfect, being perfect in the path of the Lord. How to be perfect or what does it mean to be perfect in the path of the Lord? Now, because this word perfect, we always find it in the Bible, in some books. And there are people who say, what is this? What is being perfect? How is living a perfect life? How is that? People sometimes think that being perfect is not walking on the ground, but walking on air, flying. And not to eat, not to sleep, not to smile, not to travel, not to go to the beach, not to swim in the ocean, not to go on a, a boat or on a train or a car, just or, or just to travel. People say being perfect is to abstaining from all of those things. People think that's being perfect. But today we're going to read some verses in the Bible that refer to the word perfect so that we learn and that in this way we do not ignore the word of God and we can praise him in everything and so and please him in everything and so we're going to learn today and review for those who already know those who already know you're going to become teachers and those who don't know this yet well we'll be learning and those who have heard this, well, again, we're reviewing this teaching concerning being perfect in the path of the Lord. And this is how we'll be full of joy and enthusiasm, because in the end, people will say it is possible. All of you will say it's possible. Genesis 6, 
9. Genesis 6, 9. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, God gave an order to Noah. Now this is speaking of the time of the great universal flood when God was so angry with that generation that existed from the time of Adam to Noah and God was angry to such a point that the Lord decided to take the life of all of that humanity that existed in that time that had multiplied from the time of Adam until the time of Noah. But before Noah, there were many people, many patriarchs. Now I say patriarchs because each person was a governor, a judge, a priest. He ruled his tribe. And they also would work as a priest, a judge. They would punish, they would discipline. God would teach these patriarchs the commandments, God's commandments, the commandments of the law, everything that they needed to do, all of moral values and rules. He taught from the time of Adam, and he taught this all in people's conscience so that they would do God's will. They would please and praise and glorify the name of the Lord. And so among all of those people before Noah, well, we have these great men, and we call them patriarchs, like Seth. There was uh, Enoch. There was Methuselah. And there was Lamech. They're all named here. And then Noah. And all of these people, we call them children of God. But Noah found even more favor in God's eyes. So Noah found that grace in the Lord's eyes. And when the Lord said he was going to destroy mankind, he told Noah to build an ark. He gave him all of the measurements, the materials, and the instructions on how he needed to do it. He gave him everything. The Lord was the architect, the engineer of the construction of this ark. He gave him all of the instructions to Noah, and he said, well, I'm going to end this humanity, this mankind, and I'm going to send a great flood, and everyone will die drowned by the water. And the Lord said to Noah, I will give you 120 years, a deadline of 120 years. In those 120 years, Noah will build the ark, and at the same time will preach, will proclaim repentance, that they should repent, for God is going to send a great flood, and they will perish. And so this did occur throughout those 120 years. Noah built the ark and at the same time preached. No one listened. Everyone mocked Noah. Surely they said Noah was crazy because in that time it didn't rain. And so they didn't know what it meant that a flood was coming. They didn't understand. And Noah obeyed God. It says that Noah walked with God. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he obeyed him. And this is why in verse 9, 6, 9 says, This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked 
with God. How beautiful this is. For Noah to walk with God, it meant that Noah knew the commandments of God. He knew the precepts that needed to be fulfilled in order to please God. This is why Noah walked with God and Noah was perfect in his generations, meaning all of these other generations I mentioned, all of these other people that were heads or rulers of the time, Noah was greater and he was perfect. Why perfect? Well, because all of the generations, all of the people who died in the flood, they were devoted to evil things. They were devoted to sins. They offended God in a great way. They became, or they turned men to men, women to women, human beings with animals, with objects that are inanimate. They began to give themselves over to lewdness, to lust and idolatry, witchcraft, sorcery, everything that is idolatry, paganism of all sorts, praying and worshiping the dead and demons, worshiping the devil, worshiping evil spirits, worshiping the, the moon, sun, and the stars, worshiping the lagoons, trees, wood, animals, frogs, serpents, everything, etc., etc. They became evil. They were corrupted. And they began to corrupt their soul and to do things that were not naturally as, had, as God had instilled, but they went out of their limits. They went out of what was normal. This is why God was angry and he said, I will destroy them. And so God did so. He destroyed them. But Noah, he was not an idolater. Noah did not commit any of the sins that we mentioned. Noah, he feared God. He loved God. And he always, his entire life, walked in doing God's will. Glorious is the name of the Lord for God has a mercy of those who love him and follow him. And so Noah was perfect because he did not practice those evil things. He did not commit those sins. And this is what we call perfection. Perfect because he walked with God and did not commit those sins very well. Now we continue in Deuteronomy 18, 13, because today what we're highlighting is the word perfect. To be perfect or to live a perfect life in the path of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 18. In verse 13. Deuteronomy 18, 13. We have a person here. Who do we have here? We have Moses. We have the people of Israel who God was giving instructions to Moses to lead the people down the righteous path of God and to do God's will and to keep the commandments. Now, it says here, 
Now I'll read some verses uh, before 13, which the Lord giving instructions to Moses, he tells Moses to teach the people, teach the people that when they come into the land of Canaan, that they should not practice the customs of all of those pagan nations because they commit great sins that they ought not to do the same in verse 10 it says there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire so not sacrificing children to demons of the devil or that no one should be found no woman or man who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer verse 11 or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead and much less bring food to the dead as some people do around this time in central america they bring food to the dead okay verse 12 for all who do these things are an abomination. Now the Lord was telling Moses, tell the people of Israel not to do these things because when they enter the land of Canaan, they will find those neighboring nations and their customs. The cultures of these people do not do what they do. Do not practice their cultures and customs. Go away from that, flee from it, reproach it, reject these things and teach people a good way to live their life now i think the lord must have given moses so much so many suggestions to speak to the people of israel now in verse 12 the lord tells moses now if they do those things he says all of these things are an abomination to the lord and because of these abominations so who whichever man or woman if they practice these abominations the lord your god drives them out from before you now the lord was very angry with all of those nations for committing all those sorts of sins because in practicing those sins they were imperfect they were not walking in perfection and god wanted a perfect nation and today we're speaking of perfection now in doing all of these sins and in practicing these sins they were imperfect and the lord said do not do this it's about it's an abomination and this is why i drove them out from before me now here and it says because of these abominations your lord your god drives them out from before you verse 13 you shall be blameless or perfect so you shall be perfect people of israel those who you have in your hand and you're leading to the land of Canaan, tell them that they need to be perfect or blameless, as it says here. Perfect. Perfect before the Lord your God. This is what the Lord said to Moses. And so where was perfection, brothers and sisters? Where, our listeners, where was the perfection that the Lord demanded? Well, you shall be perfect. Now here in verse 9, 10, we read... Of course, beforehand, they were practicing divination, sorcery. They were inquiring the dead. They were soothsayers. They were mediums, spiritists. They were idolaters. They were burning their living children in fire to worship the devil and evil spirits. They were committing all this sorts of this sort of evil 
And this is why the Lord said they are not perfect. And I demand the people of Israel to be perfect. So they must abandon and forget all of those customs of the neighboring nations. Now, today, we have the opportunity to travel to a city or a country. We have this ability to travel. And when we do travel, we encounter cultures and customs and there's paganism we find many things that are not moral they have no value they are things that go against god's will we find this we see this and we cannot applaud those things now of course we won't arrive and start to set rules but we do turn away from that and we don't practice those things, nor do we applaud them, nor believe them and give them credibility and to be with those people doing what they do. With the story or with the saying of saying, well, this is our our ancestors tradition, but no, it is evil. And this is why the devil, he justifies the evil he has taught people. He justifies them by saying, well, no, we must respect that because that is their culture, the culture that one day in arriving before God's presence, and then he needs to send them to the lake of fire, to hell. So there's where culture ends. There's where the tale of culture ends. Let's not be ignorant and not, let's not, or let's be realistic and practical. Let us be intelligent and let us understand the ways of our Lord. And you will see how God will bless us. And God teaches us his ways, his word, as he taught from the time of Adam, God had so many, so much mercy of the beings he created that he taught them his commandments, his word. And so this is concerning perfection. Now we're learning what perfection is, what it means to be perfect. Now we're understanding. Now let's go to Job. Job 1, 1. Now in the book of Job, it's before the book of Psalms, the patriarch Job now this is a book that has been very well known worldwide and throughout history by people and so people they've always heard the story of job and people say oh well we must be patient like job that's what people say now job 1 1 now in the time of the patriarchs when was the time of the patriarchs well the time of the patriarchs was before the law of moses before the law of moses the patriarchs existed after the law of Moses well the patriarchs were no longer functioning because God gave laws and and rules to the people of Israel and this is when the Lord then placed a ruler a leader and then judges and then kings now here in Job now this man Job it says there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job and that man was blameless or perfect now this is something that we envy there are people who say this is a good kind of envy of course now this is a saying that you know it's the good kind of envy but he was blameless or perfect this man was so perfect and upright how many of us how many of us desire to do that or to be that and in the end i think we will all be saying it is possible now this man was blameless and upright one who feared god and shunned evil he shunned sin he was completely turned away from all sin now verse one 
we learn what it means to be perfect here. What does it mean to be perfect? Well, it says that Job, it didn't say that he didn't eat or sleep, he didn't walk on the ground, but he walked on air, that he would only dress in garments that were invisible. That's what it says about Job, to be perfect. No, he was an ordinary man. He was very wealthy. He had children. He had seven sons, three daughters. He had great livestock, camels, ox. He had servants. Now, he was the wealthiest, most important man of his region, that his children would have banquets every day. Imagine the amount of riches and money Job had. So you see that he would eat. He also participated in banquets and he would invite people over to eat. He would enjoy and had great abundance. He had a family. He had a marriage and household. So you see, he didn't walk on air. He didn't stop eating or drinking and he didn't stop sleeping to be blameless or perfect. So now we're understanding here what it means to be perfect, to be perfect in the path of the Lord. Now it says perfection or Job's perfection was he, he feared God. It says he feared God and shunned completely shunned evil, sin. So 100% he did not sin. Job did not commit sin. This is why the Lord said he was perfect. Now, even God, he speaks to Satan, and the Lord tells Satan, have you seen my servant Job? Have you seen, have you seen how my servant Job lives? There is none like him on earth who is fearful and, shun, and shuns evil. Now, Satan tells, he, he's very envious. He says, well, I'm going to make Job fall into my trap. The devil says, I'm going to make him fall into the trap and I'm going, I'm going to make him sin. He's going to sin. So leave him in my hands. Satan tells the Lord, leave him to me and I will make him sin. And the Lord said, he will not, he will not sin. I leave him in your hands, do what you want with him. Do not take his life, but know this, Job will not fail me because he will continue to be perfect before me. And so this did happen. The devil placed so many things upon him. He took his family, he took his children, he took his riches, he even placed sickness upon him. He would sleep on the floor in ashes. And he spent many years this way for a while, but he never sinned. He never complained against God. He loved God always. He loved him so much, even throughout the pain and the sickness and the misery and the poverty that he had, that in the end, God had mercy and restored Job. And he, he recovered everything that he had lost. And he then once again was the man he always was, a holy, perfect man who feared God. And so we are learning what it means to be perfect. Now we continue. Psalm 18, Psalm 18, 32, Psalm 18, 32, now the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, but now as our Lord Jesus Christ, he lived as a human being when he was on earth. He, he lived as a human being, meaning that he did not put to use his divinity, what was godly of him, he did not put to use, but he was a human being. 
he behaved and lived as a human being because he wanted to prove to what point a human being can carry a burden or withstand pain. He wanted to test that. And this is why he behaved as a human being. He lived as a human being to see to what point he could test other human beings so that they could do God's will. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ, he does live as a human being here in, in Psalm 32 or 31. It says, for who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. So this says that he makes my way perfect. Why? Because God, when there is a man or woman that loves God, they are faithful, sincere with God. They desire and long and make an effort to live in perfection. The Lord helps them. The Lord helps that man or that woman to be perfect. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, in living as a human being, he too was tested by the devil. The devil came and tested him and tried to make him fall into his snare and trap. To he tried to place temptation before him to cause him to sin before the Father. Now, as he was tested, and as a human being, he suffered persecution and slander. He suffered insults, many things. But nevertheless, he says, God arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. And so I will walk in this path of perfection, no matter if tribulation or difficult days come, no matter what comes my way in my life, I will continue forward in this path of perfection because God helps me. He will help me because I've made the decision and because my heart in my heart, there is the desire to do God's will. So God helps just as he helps the Lord or he helped the Lord. He helps us. Now in Psalm 37, in Psalm 37, in verse 18, 37, 18, it says, The Lord knows the days of the upright. Now it says, the Lord knows the days of the upright or perfect. And it says, and their inheritance shall be forever. The inheritance of those who are perfect is forever. Why? Because the inheritance of the perfect, the inheritance of the man or woman who lives a life of perfection, who are walking down that upright, perfect path, it says they will inherit eternal life forever, and it'll be everlasting. Now, in Psalm 101, Psalm 101, verse 2, it says, in verse 1, I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? The Lord also says. Now, the Lord here was praying for the believers. The Lord is also praying for his church, the believers, his followers. He prays for the remnant. Now, the Lord also prays for all of them. He is the spokesman 
He is the voice of the congregation of the believer and those who walk in the ways of the Lord. Now, in speaking for them, he says, I will I will behave wisely. Or in verse 1, I will sing of mercy and justice to you, Lord. Now in verse 2, I will behave wisely in a perfect way when you, Lord, when you come to me. And that is what he does because the Lord first comes to the hearts of people and then this is when people make the decision to continue forward in the path of perfection that the Lord is showing. And so we will understand the path of perfection when the Lord comes to us and he has come to many of us and we are understanding or we have understood the path of perfection and we will not exchange this path of perfection for anything in the world. Nothing in the world will ever cause us to exchange this perfection that God has placed before us. Now, we will continue then forward in 119, in Psalm 119, verse 1, it says, Blessed are the undefiled or perfect in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Now, what do you think? We are understanding what being perfect is, what it means to live a perfect life in the eyes of God, or what it is to walk in the perfect path of the Lord. It says, blessed are the undefiled or perfect in the way. They are the ones who are keeping the law of the Lord. Verse 2, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, the testimonies of God. And it says here, who seek him with the whole heart. They seek the Lord with their whole heart. They convert to the Lord. They obey and please God. They keep all the commandments. And all the commandments are the ones we mentioned when the Lord prohibited them from practicing a paganism and all those customs. And aside from that, other commandments that we have not mentioned, but I'm always mentioning in other sermons, the other commandments, adultery, fornication, kidnapping, theft, so many other things, uh, drug addiction that people have. They also fall into alcoholism, people who give in to lust of the flesh and also harming other people, stealing, deceiving, covetousness, greed, resentment, grudges, vengeance. All of that is within all of the things that the Lord prohibited and in the commandments of God. All of those sins, faults, all those errors, all of those are there. Those are sins that is evil and all of that is in the law and it is prohibited. This is why it says, blessed are the undefiled in the way or the perfect in the way who walk in the law of the Lord, who keep the word of our Lord, his testimony. So we're learning this path of perfection in Proverbs 28. Let us go to Proverbs 28, verse 10. 28. Proverbs 28, 10 says, 
Now, the proverb says, whoever causes the upright. Now, the devil, he incites any man or woman and causes them to commit sin or another man or woman who was upright before God. Like when the devil went and tempted the Lord to cause him fall into sin, he was not capable. He wanted to do the same with Job and he did not, was not able to overcome them. Now it says, whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit. So he does not attain what he is trying to achieve because those who are upright who are in that perfect path of the Lord does not fall into the trap. And those who want to make them fall, well, it is them themselves who will fall into the own pit that they have dug. Why? Because it says the other person was perfect, but it says here, but the blameless or perfect will inherit good. They will inherit eternal life. They will inherit the blessings and the mercies of God because they will not fall into the trap of the enemy. They will be strong and courageous. Now we continue in Matthew, Matthew 5:48. Here in Matthew 5:48, it says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ is teaching people as well, teaching the commandments, teaching God's word, teaching all to live a perfect life before the Lord and what it me meant to be perfect in the Lord's path. For example, in verse 47, he says, in verse 47, if you greet your brethren only and the rest you don't greet, well then, what good is it to you? Well, it says, any sinner of the world does that. They are impartial. They humiliate people. If you only love your family and you do not love your neighbors, your friends, those who you see that are in need and they need help, they need some type of comfort and you have extra of that. I know you only give that to your family, but everyone else, since they're not your family, you don't. Well, then what good is that, that attitude? What good is it to you? It's not. It's of no profit. The Lord says it's of no use. You must be generous with everyone, with your family and with strangers, those who you don't know. You need to do good to everyone, to your family and everyone else. You need to love everyone, your family and everyone else. We cannot feel grudges. We shouldn't feel that way about our family or anyone else. Now, the Lord says in 48, therefore, you shall be perfect. Be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so, we are understanding what perfection means. What perfection means when the Lord says, be perfect. Now, I don't know why the Lord changes the way we live our lives he uses many different terms in the ways of our lord the lord uses many terms but with all of those terms and names we are delighted in them we are delighted because this motivates us to continue forward 
walking with the Lord, walking by the hand of God. Matthew 19, 21. Matthew 19, 21. It says, Now there is a young rich man, a young man, he came before, he was wealthy and he came before the Lord and he says, what should I do to attain eternal life? Well, he says, well, keep all of the commandments. Do you know them? Well, then tell me what they are. And the young man does. He mentions them. And the Lord says, well, you need to keep all of those commandments. And the young man said, well, from my childhood, I have kept the commandments, Lord. Now the Lord says, well, that's very good. But if you want to be perfect, because up till now you have kept all of the commandments, and he tells them, well, the commandments is not to kill, not to not to commit murder, not to commit adultery or steal. You have to love your father, honor father and mother, and not to have grudges, not to fall into thefts. All of these things I heard your neighbor, you must love your neighbor. Now the Lord then tells him, but for you to be perfect, you are missing something. You are missing something. And in 21, he says to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now the young man left very sad because he had great possessions. And he said, no, how can I do this? I can't. I can't sell my possessions, my riches, and give to the poor. I cannot do that. The Lord said, if you want to be perfect. So you see, he was missing something in order to be perfect. He said he was keeping all the commandments. But you know what his flaw was, his error, the sin he had, and that the Lord discovered it? It was greed. It was greed. He was very greedy. You see? Very greedy. He had selfish ambition and of wanting to store all his riches. He did not want to share it with anybody. He had that sin and the Lord told him, well, we need to remove that from you so that you can be perfect. And if not, well then continue enjoying your riches, but help others. And so perfection, we understand here, we're understanding what perfection is, what it means to be perfect in the path of the Lord. John 17, John 17, 23. And it states, now the prayer that the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he made, he prayed for his disciples and asked the Father, for his disciples and in his prayer in verse 23 chapter 17 23 or we'll start in 22 in his prayer the lord tells the father and the glory which you gave me i have given them the disciples that they may be one just as we are one meaning the father and the son we are one i and them verse 23 and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me so it's so that they could be perfect in this unity they had already left sin behind they were keeping the commandments of god they were keeping everything but they were missing something they needed to be one in god one in the lord one god one lord one faith one baptism 
that love of God all as one. Now, for example, when all of the congregation gathers together, so the congregation then becomes one in praising God, so we must be one before the Lord. One heart full of joy, gladness, faith, trust, that love toward God in giving God praise, and we are all one, although we are different people, although each man, each woman is a completely world of their own, they're separate, but when we are glorifying God and loving Him, we are one in God because the Spirit of the Lord has united us all in one. And so this is what the Lord said, so that they can be perfect. For now, they have turned away from sin. They are keeping your commandments. But what is needed is that you, with your spirit, to bring them together as one, as you, Father, you and I, we are one. How beautiful. What the Lord has in store for his children, his believers, for those who follow him. What the Lord has for all those who follow this path of perfection. And we give God thanks for this blessing, for his mercy. We don't deserve it. But this is our God. Now we go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. So 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It says, therefore. Now Apostle Paul is the one speaking to the church. And here specifically, he is speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, now, the promises of God, salvation, eternal life, blessings, happiness. It says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So this says that we ought to cleanse ourselves from filthiness. It means not practicing sin, not committing sin, for in this way, we then perfect holiness, meaning we can live in holiness, we can live in perfection, we can live in this path, we can walk in this path of perfection. Colossians, Colossians 1.28, after Galatians, Ephesians, you'll find Col then Philippians and then Colossians, Colossians 1.28, Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, it says here in verse 27, the Apostle Paul tells the believers he was writing to the church in Colossae. Now he wanted to make known the riches of the glory of the mystery, which was the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wanted to make it known among the, the Gentiles. He says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He was the mystery. And it says, him we preach, we're preaching Christ, 28. It says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we, so that wisdom is the wisdom God gives with the objective here of to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So every man, every woman, to present them perfect. So they made this effort in warning and teaching with all the wisdom God gave that all men and women could be perfect so that they can present before our Lord Jesus Christ a perfect man, a perfect woman. 
And we today, well, this is what we're doing. All of us, we are speaking of God, speaking of this mystery, which is the gospel and our Lord Jesus Christ, that hidden mystery. And he, the Lord, has given us many certain amount of wisdom to teach, to correct, and to speak about God. For what? What is the purpose? Well, we desire, we want your well-being, and we also want the blessing and the well-being God will give, the reward. So we're fighting for everyone to, and we're striving for everyone to be perfect and teaching what God has taught us and sharing it with you all, everything God has given us, so that you may be perfect, so that you may walk in the path of perfection, so that you may live perfection, and God one day will say, you, you, Rose, you are perfect. You, uh, Julie, you are perfect. That God may say this of us. How beautiful it is that God may have us in this regard, but he will help us to reach that point. And so we continue in Hebrews. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11.40. Hebrews 11.40, it states... Now, the Apostle Paul, he says that in the time of antiquity, God did not give the people of Israel perfection. God wanted to form a nation that was holy and perfect before him. People, a people that was special to him among all of the nations of the world. God wanted to have a special people for himself. And he wanted them to be perfect. He wanted that with the people of Israel in the time of antiquity. But the apostle, he says the Lord was not able to do these things because he did not want to give them perfection because they did not deserve it. They failed God. They sinned. They turned away from the ways of the Lord. And this is why he removed them from his presence. And this is why in the future, God in the future, he did want to form his people through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that he would be forming that holy nation, that perfect church, because our Lord Jesus Christ said in his word that to form for himself a perfect church without spot or wrinkle for himself. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, he will achieve this. He will attain this. Our Lord Jesus Christ is working to ensure that his people are perfect, which is what God always wanted from the very beginning, to have a people to praise him, to glorify him, to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul, he is saying in this chapter 11 that the people of Israel in the time of antiquity did not achieve this. God did not give them this perfection, for had he given them that, had they been perfect, well, then we today we would be completely turned away. We would be in darkness. We would not have God's blessing. We would not have the eyes of the Lord and his mercy upon us. We would not have that. And this is why here in verse 38, the apostle highlights that in that time, God made many promises to many people, to many servants, many biblical people, now in 39, and all these, so all of these that were mentioned here in chapter 11, he says, and all these having obtained a good testimony, yes, 
So they gave a good testimony through faith. They obeyed God in a certain point. So Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Samuel, David, all of them, it says they obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. They did not receive it because of the sin of the people of Israel in general. So they were completely driven out of the presence of the Lord and did not receive the promise. For it says, God having provided in the future, verse 40, God having provided something better for us, something better for us, the believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they should, so the people of Israel, that they, the people of the time of antiquity, that they should not be made perfect apart from us, the believers in Christ. So God, in his wisdom, he did these things to attain in uniting both people. Yes, both people, those of the time of antiquity, he united them with the remnant with the remnant and then he then gives the opportunity to the gentiles and among them while well, we are enjoying that perfection we are enjoying the blessing of our god and so how beautiful it is to be perfect in the path of the lord to walk in perfection and the mercy that god had here that we were not cast away from his presence he kept us in mind and thanks be to the lord now lastly let us go to ephesians 4 here in Ephesians 4, it's a bit behind Hebrews. You'll find Ephesians, and we'll read quickly. Here are some verses from chapter 4, Ephesians 4. Now, the Apostle Paul, he says he was writing to the church in Ephesus. Now he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, and with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. So bear one another in love. And one another with love and love is, well, this life that you, that people were living, the believers were living, completely turned away from sin. This is living in love. Now, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, meaning a body, which is the church, the church of Christ, and one spirit. It says, as you were also called in one hope of your calling, verse 5, one Lord, one faith, so trusting in God, believing in the Lord, doing His will, one baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the water baptism as well. We can also in, uh, put that one in there as well. Although it's something physical, the Lord still placed it so that people obey and are baptized in water if they want to continue down this path of perfection. And so they say, I want to be baptized to show the Lord I've made the decision. I've taken this step in following the path of perfection and to one day be in eternity with the Lord. And so it says... In verse 6, one God and Father of all, this was the unity, the unity of the Spirit, one God and Father of all, with our Lord Jesus Christ, with one Holy Spirit, with one body, which is the church. It says, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So a gift was given to us in the measure that God wanted, our Lord Jesus Christ wanted to gift us with. 
And it says in a psalm, in Psalm 68, 18, there is a prophecy where it says when he ascended on high, our Lord Jesus Christ, he led captivity captive. He led captivity captive, meaning that he enamored the captives who were enslaved by the sin and the devil. And it says, and gave gifts to men. Now we've read that concerning the spiritual gifts. Now in nine, it says, now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He, it says he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens. So he, before the great flood, the, those people died. And since there was no religion or law of God, our Lord Jesus Christ had mercy and he preached to those souls that were imprisoned and surely they believe because i don't think the lord would have wasted his time going down there to preach and so all those before the flood who died who died before the co the commandments the laws the lord goes and preached to them the gospel and he tells them believe and those who believed well i'm sure they were saved for eternal life is where they're headed now it says he descended into the lower parts of the earth to preach to those imprisoned souls now, in 11, our Lord Jesus Christ, he himself gave, gave some to be apostles. Now, this is the body of Christ. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And it is for the equipping of the saints. So for all of the church, it's for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, which is the church. And how does he edify it? By perfecting it. Verse 12, it says again, for the equipping of the saints or the believers, equipping meaning perfecting them so that they're well prepared to work, work in the ministry so that they too also can edify their spiritual life and edify the spiritual life of all the believers. And in this way, they form the body of Christ, which is the church of God. A perfect life. This is the perfect life. This is living or walking in the path of perfection so that we all verse 13 till we all all the believers all the church till we all come to the unity of the faith the faith in christ and the true gospel and that we all have the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man and that we all too we may be a perfect man or a perfect woman following the example of Jesus Christ. And it says that we all also till we come to that measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We, the believers, we will need to also reach that measure. We need to reach that fullness, that perfection. This is why it says being perfect in the path of the Lord. We will attain this. For this is all achieved with the work done by the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, they, the teachers. They will be those in charge of perfecting all of the believers, perfecting the church worldwide. 
so that all are perfect and walk in the path of perfection. To then present before the Lord a perfect church without spot or wrinkle, so that all may then reach that stature of Jesus Christ in its fullness, in its perfection. And so, from what we can see here, it is possible. It can be achieved here in this life. We can reach perfection. In 14, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every... No, we're not going to be children. We're going to be mature in how we think. For it says that a person who wavers is tossed to and fro. They're carried about and they're convinced or, or carried about by any wind of doctrine. They're deceived. Children are the ones who are are easily deceived. So we, the believers, are not going to be children being deceived. Why? Because we are perfect. Because we are now living in this path of perfection. Because we are now guided, guided and led by apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so we are now people that are adults. We're mature in how we think. And so we go forward toward that path of perfection. We go on to perfection. And so in verse 15, but we should be people speaking the truth of God and we may grow up in all things into him, Christ. It says he is the head that we should grow spiritually. It says from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So this compares that the body of Christ is like our physical bodies, that it is all joined together by all the organs to function correctly. So if there is an organ that is ill, then everything else becomes ill and not, does not function correct. That's the same with our spiritual life, the body of Christ, the believers. Everyone needs to be united in one, in the Lord. Everyone needs to walk in perfection, in perfection. And this is what is going to form the body of Christ. This is what I repeat in verse 16 and how it compares the body of Christ, his church, and how it needs to function with our physical bodies. It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. It says, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It means, now in love completely means turning away 100% from sin. And when you turn away from sin, for as the Lord Jesus Christ he is here. It is the Spirit of the Lord. It is the Father working in the congregation. Aside from this, he also places helpers, his people, his apostles, his prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There are thousands, I'm sure, all over the world. So the church will reach that perfection. The believers will live that perfect life. They will be perfect. And now you know what it means to live a perfect life, to turn away from all sin, all evil, 100%, and to walk well before the Lord, to serve him so that he may use you to go and speak and evangelize others and convert others to convince others. And in this way, that body 
of the Lord will be formed. The Lord will not come in the clouds for his church until his body is well formed. This is what the Bible says. And so we were going to ask the Lord to help us, that he help us so that we, we can be that body. That body that is perfect, that we, we are in his body, that the Lord not allow the devil to destroy us, to come and snatch our blessings, to steal them. We're going to ask the Lord to help us to attain this beauty, to attain this great splendor, this which awaits us, this which the Lord has always offered. And we thank the Lord and we're going to pray to the Lord. Let us pray to him. And now you know how to pray. Now you know how to speak with God. But also today we're going to pray and we're going to give some words of praise to the Lord for he deserves it. And we also present our petitions and your needs and sicknesses. And we thank our Father, O oh, blessed Lord, O oh, my Father, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Father, we have reflected many verses of the Bible. Here we have reflected upon them. And reflecting on this path of perfection, reflecting on or concerning those that are perfect, those that who are righteous, this path that they ought to follow. And you've, we've reflected that they must be perfect and must follow this perfect path and that they ought to convince many people in the world so that many may convert to your path, may convert to you, follow you, obey you, praise you, glorify you, do your will. Holy Father, please allow for in your church there to be many apostles, many prophets, many teachers, thousands, Lord, that you allow them to rise up, evangelists, pastors, men and women of God, that have fear of God, that value you, that praise you, that, that they get rid of their worldly pleasures of the flesh and that they deny themselves so that they may follow your path, this path, this path that you have paved, this path of perfection. For all of those who walk in the path of perfection are those who will serve you. Help us, Lord, so that we may be one, believing, trusting, and waiting in, on you and to receive as well your marvelous spiritual gifts, your blessing. Heavenly Father, teach us. Help us, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We give you the honor. We give you the glory, the praise. Yours is the kingdom, the glory, all power. You rule and govern the universe. You are righteous and holy, merciful and kind. You are merciful. 
Your promises are faithful. They are true. You are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore you will be the same. For you, time does not exist. You manifest yourself, Lord, to whom you wish, to whom you want to in the moment you want. You give the blessing, Lord, because you are in all places. Because for you, there is no fashion or style or science or technology that exists because you own everything. There's nothing new to you. Everything has always existed. Everything new is just for us human beings and we're distracted by it. We're distracted by all of these things and we turn away or we forget about you. We turn away from you and don't give you the praise, the honor that you deserve. Help us, Lord, so that we understand and comprehend that first is your ways. First is praising you and glorifying you and seeking your face and doing your will. That comes first above everything else. Holy Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, Lord, I present all of these reflections. My Father, and now, my Lord, I pray that you extend your healing hand, your miraculous hand. Remember, Lord, you have facilitated your apostles, and you said to them, that they should go to many places and work miracles and healings to heal those that are sick. And all, and all were healed, and all received deliverance, healings, and all today will receive many healings and deliverance. Many triumphs and victories I will give to many. And I will be converting many hearts. But your conversion will be real, will be true, because I will be penetrating the hearts, the beings, and I will convert them to my ways. And you will follow, because I will deliver you and bless you. I will give you many signs so that you understand my word, my ways, that you are not filled with wrath or anger or disillusion. I am rescuing many from the path of perdition. I am rescuing. I am delivering. I am healing. I am giving material blessings. I am giving progress to some. I am listening to the prayers and the pleas of many. And I am manifesting myself in a great way. Continue forward. Do not be discouraged. Continue forward. I will be resolving your problems. I will take away the difficulties. I will take away the pains, the illness. I'm taking away a lot of witchcraft and sorcery. I'm removing vices. I am removing sadness from the heart and sorrow. I am removing all the filth that many practice and destroying all evil. Peace is coming for many. Peace and deliverance for many. 
and great changes for many, positive changes, blessings, and victory. And continue reading the Bible, continue praying, for the time is drawing near. The time is coming soon where all things will return back to normalcy. I am testing many hearts. I'm testing many people. And for the time being, my hand will be punishing those who have been, have enjoyed my ways but have turned back. But I tell you, continue forward. Do not be worried. There is prosperity and blessings. And I am manifesting myself in a great way. Very soon you will see many positive changes, triumphs, and very soon you will see the blessings I have given you. Today I have granted many blessings and deliverance. Blessings for all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Eternal God. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. We do not deserve it, Lord. We do not deserve this, but this is your love. This is your mercy. Thank you, my Father, in the name of Jesus. All praises be for you, all honor, all glory for you. Señor Jehová, tú estás conmigo, tú eres mi amparo, tú eres mi amigo. Señor Jehová, tú estás conmigo, tú eres mi amparo, tú eres mi amigo. Jehová me dice que no tema ni desmaye porque Él irá conmigo donde quiera que yo vaya. Porque Él irá conmigo donde quiera que yo vaya. Señor Jehová, Tú estás conmigo, Tú eres mi amparo, Tú eres mi amigo. Señor Jehová, Tú estás conmigo. Tú eres mi amigo, Jehová me dice que no tema ni desmaye, porque Él irá conmigo donde quiera que yo vaya. Jehová me dice que no tema ni desmaye, porque Él irá conmigo donde quiera vaya gloria y honra a nuestro dios gracias le damos al señor for those that are newcomers those who don't understand prophecy in those moments when we were praying and i i was praying making my prayer well the holy spirit came upon me to prophesy in the end and so what you heard toward the end They were words uh, away from my prayer that I was making. And so that 
is prophecy. That's the Holy Spirit has used my mouth, my tongue to speak to you all and to make all these beautiful promises of healings, blessings, deliverance that the Lord is going to work for many of you. And that is prophecy so that you are not worried. Perhaps maybe you don't understand, but everything else will I wait and I give thanks the Lord to the Lord. He made a series of promises and I know God will be fulfilling them. And there will be some who perhaps are not in good standing with the Lord and maybe the Lord will not be able to bless them with these promises, but hopefully all of you. I hope that you have understood the sermon today concerning perfection, that we must do God's will, keep His commandments, so that in this way, God may bless because he is almighty, he is our creator, the owner of the universe, the owner of everything, and he is the one who has the power to make us happy, to give us healings, blessings, and a better life. May God bless you. May God be with you. Thank you. I love you in the Lord. Many hugs and many kisses from my behalf.